Lord, I pray that you would guide now in this time. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you have, Lord, spelled out to us the redemption that is so freely given, the depth of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and the fact that we have first-hand accounts of when our Savior was here on earth. Lord, help us not to take this lightly. May the enrichment that our Savior gives grow in its appreciation and its love in our lives, in our hearts, and in the way we live. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 1, if you would please go there, and I just to start out, I just want to read three verses, starting in verse 6. We were there, we ended at verse 5 last time we were able to meet with this. The message, the, the title of the message tonight is John's Portraits of Christ. But actually, there's, there's two different Johns. There, there's John the Baptist, but then there's the Apostle John. And what he said and what he spoke about Christ. But the, 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 the depth begins right from the beginning. It continues here. Look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, I love, I, I love the testimony of this. Just him saying this. It's one, of those, it's one of those passages that you kind of just sit back and you relish. Now, there's, there's, other, there's other gospels that tell us about John. You know, we can go to the book of Luke and, and read much. But here with the apostle John, he just starts with John here, full-grown man. And he simply says this, there was a man, but more than that, he was a man sent from God. And here was his name, verse 7. The same came for a purpose. He was a witness. To bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now, think of the breadth and the depth of just what we just read right there. Oh, by the way, here's a man that was sent from God, and, and he, he came, and he gave witness of the Savior, oh, for this reason, that all men might believe. And then you think about all men, and you go down through the corridors of time. Here was a man who echoed the prophecies of the Old Testament, pointing, this is Christ. Then it says, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was a time, it, it, was, really, it, it was really interesting. Uh, we have a dear friend, you've heard me mention him many times, Jim Benny. Jim Benny's wife, Sarah, uh, went to be with the Lord. Pardon me? Sandra, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Sandra, forgive me. 
Yeah, it was Sandra and, and, and <laughs> dear friend of ours. I just couldn't think of her name. But anyway, uh, but just, just, a, just a great lady. And it really affected him. Well, several years later, he wound up marrying uh, Maria from the Philippines. And he's been there in the Philippines the last several years having a tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, ministry there in the Philippines. Bernie and I went down to Long Beach one time to um, see, in fact, this was when we went to see Mr. Buckler, I believe. We went down to see Mr. Buckler, otherwise, you know, the Buckler building, and longtime member here. And then we went to uh, visit Jim Benny. He had just flown in and he was with a pastor friend of ours. In fact, he was with the pastor that of the church that Jennifer Ruth uh, was going to when she was down there doing her military duty. And uh, so anyway, we met, we met with them uh, and with a man from that church who had just lost his wife three, literally three weeks before. Very dear man of God. Just I can't remember his name, but just a, a great guy. He was an assistant there at the church. And this fella, his, uh, his habit when there were people that came in to visit uh, the church and such, the pastor would have him give the people, the visitors, a tour of the Queen Mary. Now, I, I'd never, my, my wife, we'd never been on it, I don't, I don't believe. And uh, so anyway, we went down there, and it really was fascinating. I mean, this guy, he was a walking encyclopedia of the Queen Mary. And then he said, I've got something I'd like to show you. He took us to the very back of the ship. It was the infirmary where they kept people that were very ill. And then off to the side, there was a place where they would, if they died, they would put their bodies. We went back there, and I'll never forget this. He took us back and he showed us a particular place and he said, right here is where Gypsy Smith passed away. Well, you know, you read some about Gypsy Smith, and it's, I, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Here was, a, here was a, a, a young man that grew up that just poor as dirt, and yet got saved, started being used of the Lord greatly, Booth, who founded the Salvation Army, noticed the young man, started utilizing him as an evangelist. Later on in life, he would fill auditoriums. In fact, in one place in Ocean City, I think it is, um, Ocean City, New Jersey, there was an auditorium, 10,000 seats. He filled it. Now, his thing was this. <clears throat> he never went to Bible college, never went to seminary, never. Here is the testimony of Gypsy Smith. I didn't go to your colleges and seminaries. They wouldn't have me. But I've been to the feet of Jesus. 
where the only true scholarship is learned. The way to Jesus is not by Cambridge and Oxford, Glasgow, Edinburgh, London, Princeton, Harvard, Yale, Socrates, Plato, Shakespeare, or the poets. It's over an old-fashioned hill called Calvary. I'm God's messenger from the gypsy tent. It's the message that's important, not the messenger. But that's not the thing that he said that really got me. There's another, there's another man, a pastor or a preacher and an author that I really like uh, reading, Vance Havner. He met with Gypsy Smith when he was older. He asked him, what is it that, that keeps you going? I mean, what, what is it that, that drives you? That makes it so that makes your walk in Christ so fresh. And he said, Gypsy thought for a moment, and his reply was this: I never lost the wonder. I never lost the wonder of it all. He was 87 years old and very sick, and he thought, well, I need. I need to get someplace where I can heal up a little bit. And he got on board the Queen Mary and he headed to Florida, but three hours out, he passed away. And that was it. And he died at that place right there. But this is the thing that just so speaks to me. I never lost the wonder. Now, stop and think about this. There was a man from God, sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. I think that you've got, they're both named John, but you have such a unique testimony from two men that in some ways they, they parallel. Now, John, very soon he would wind up losing his head and he's with the Lord. But the apostle John, he went on and, and, and I, I stop, I consider Still, John, the aged disciple, the apostle John, sitting down and, and writing these things. And I think that be it John the apostle or John the Baptist, they never lost the wonder. I mean, we might equate it with something that we would call revival. I think in some ways it's a little bit deeper than that. You know, revival, praise God, your, your love for the Lord is renewed and such, but there is such an attitude here. When the apostle John is writing in this chapter right here, he writes and portrays Christ, some through John the Baptist, 
in three different ways. But they stop and they, and they consider what, what took place here. For instance, look at verse 9. We start out with the first portrait. John speaking of Christ as the, as, as the light. Listen to how he says this. I know it's in our English, but it's paralleled in the Greek. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now consider light. We're going to be thinking about that a little bit, but my soul, if you just sat back and you let your heart absorb those words. This can't be, it's kind of difficult to be done in a service like this, but you take your Bible and you go someplace, you grab your cup of coffee, you know, whatever, and you just sit back in your chair and you ruminate on that. Christ, what is it about him? Well, he was a light. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And then look at the next phrase. And the world knew him not. When I think of this, when, when, I, when I look at that, and I read that, I mean, you know, you go from Genesis Three, where here was God walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. They had just sinned against him. They, they, they rejected him through the enticements of Satan. And it's been going on ever since. This world has been caught up in the incredible ugliness of sin ever since. But then comes the light. There were pictures of the light, again, as we'll see in John 1. And I don't know how far we're going to get tonight, but I just got to thinking about this. When I go through the book of John or in so many other places in Scripture, I, I get to thinking about this. In my Bible reading, am I going through it so fast that I lose the wonder? Roger, we just sang that song. Spirit of the living God, fall how? Fresh. In other words, there, there's something when, when you know, the Holy Spirit comes along and the word of God has spoken to us. There's times it'll bring tears to our eyes. I, uh, I just got something from... Uh, I just got something from a cousin. And I, I, I posted this picture of my dad in China. It was taken, I think it was 1945. I might be wrong, there might be 44. But this cousin of mine, she's older than I am, she reminded me of something. My dad was a soul winner. And she and this cousin of mine, she and her husband had been married two years. 
dad came over to their house and he gave her husband the gospel. Now, I don't know if it ever really took root, but he had a desire to go. He wanted the family to know. It didn't always sit well with all the family. But dad was driven. I mean, when he got saved, he read the Bible through, I think, two and a half times the first year. That was, that was dad. Dad was, a, that, dad was a rough and tough Marine. There was so much more to him. But God so changed his heart. And I remember, I, I remember watching dad grow. He did. I remember when the Lord was finally molding him, made him a preacher. I, I mean, he wound up honing his, his preaching at the Union Gospel Mission down in downtown Los Angeles. No, it wasn't Union Gospel. Was it Union? Emmanuel, Emmanuel Baptist Rescue Mission down in LA. That was really something. You know, with my dad, I think I can say that when it came to Christ, he never lost the wonder. And the fact is, I don't want to lose it myself. It's easy to lose, to go through Scripture and just, oh, boy, well, that's interesting. Look at verse 11. He came unto his own, his own, his own people. Now, we knew. I mean, when it comes to prophecy, this would take place. But just think of that. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. These were the people that had the Scriptures. They had Isaiah 53. But this is what would happen. It was prophesied, Isaiah 6, 9. Go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. How they have suffered because of that. People ask, why is it the Jews are hated so much? All you have to do is take it to Scripture. And there's going to come that time when there's not going to be a United States that will be backing them. And the Antichrist will turn on them. And they will be hiding and they will be seeking, Lord, and finally be turning and recognizing and, and, and hearing the preaching of the 144,000 that will bring people to Christ. And then we read this. But as many as received him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power, the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Again, we were talking this morning about the Apostle Paul. Here was a man that was a Jew that was going to the Gentiles, had been trained as a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and yet here he is, he is presenting Christ who died on the cross, who rose again, and this is all just unbelievable to some people, but to those that did believe. And see, we look at that. On January 14th, 1967, Saturday night at 8.30 p.m. in my youth pastor's garage, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Since that time, there has been times where 
the memory of that kind of has grown cold. I don't want it to grow cold now. Back and forth, back and forth. Listen, what we need, there's revival that's needed, but also a depth of the love of Christ again. Why? Because he was the true light, the lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And the fact is, as many as received him, all they have to do is put their faith and trust in him. And the direction for all eternity changes. How can that grow cold? I don't understand that. But I do know this. If Satan can't get us for eternity, at least he works to try to get us now. Christ was the true light. Now, there have been people, they've claimed to be lights. There have been people that have come and gone. They're saying, you know, we can do it for you. You know, we can give you health, wealth, and prosperity. We can give you peace. Not like our God can through the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are false lights. And the Lord told us that that would happen. Paul warned us that that would happen. Peter did the same. Christ is to man what light is to man. And Christ did for man what light does for man. Somebody wrote this, and I thought this was interesting. I wanted to add this into my notes. Guy said, and I'm not sure who it was that said this, light penetrates, it cuts through and eliminates darkness. So does Christ. Light <laughs> enlightens. It enlarges one's vision and knowledge. You ever been in a place and you wondered, what? No, I, I can't see anything. What is this place like? Somebody turns on a light, pew, there it is. That's what Christ did. Light reveals, it opens up the truth of an area, kind of different way of saying the same thing. So did Christ. Light exposes and strips away darkness. Light discriminates between the right way and the wrong way. Saw a video, guys, just, just saw it today. Guys driving down the road and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, here comes a car in the wrong lane, driving like he's in England, you know, or whatever. But it's not just this guy, it's a row of cars. Apparently they were following him and he, <laughs> he led them wrong. And all of a sudden, they're going, oh my, what's going on? And so all of a sudden, they're into the big ditch, you know, where the grass is and everything. And praise God, there was, nobody, there was no head-on collision or anything. Christ doesn't lead us that way. He doesn't take us down the wrong path. He puts us on the right path. That's our God. And yet that brings us to this, what this gentleman wrote, light warns. It warns of dangers that lie ahead in one's path. That's Christ. For God so loved the world, Jesus said, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, here's the warning, should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And we're just barely scratching the surface here. Jesus is the light of the world. Consider this from the, the, the scriptures. They're comparing Christ to natural revelation and supernatural. When, it comes, when we walk out tonight, I don't know how cloudy it's going to be. It's going to be kind of cloudy this week. But I love a cloudless, moonless night at times because the heavens declare the glory of God. Then we read in Romans, we were there, and we're going to get to this verse soon. Romans verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Stop and consider. I, I, um, Mike, remember, remember Del Tackett? You know, from the video, I've been watching is Genesis History, uh, that, uh, that series that they have on YouTube. That's fascinating about the dinosaurs and the, the, the evidence for the flood. And then you look at the evidence when it comes to medicine and people doing study going into and, and also into the atom. I mean, truly, truly, creation declares the glory of God. You talk about a light, but there are people that say, no, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to listen to it. And that is so sad. I was out working in the backyard and there was a young man that was living next door to us. They're not there anymore. Tried to speak to his mom. He's 13 years old and I was working there and I'm overhearing him talk to a friend and he disparaged people that believed in creation. And so, you know, you, know, you, 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 gotta, you gotta believe in evolution. And I thought, oh, mercy, young man, if you, if you only knew. Romans chapter two says this, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law to themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. Natural law, nature itself, natural revelation, paints the picture of the fact that God has done a work in creation and in man that point right back to him. Christ gives light to men by giving good gifts to men. We know this verse, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's our God. He gives, you know, we're, getting, we're gonna be getting rain, Lord willing, this week. It's gonna rain on everybody. It's not just on the righteous. The wicked will be able to, you know, benefit from the rain. God does that. But there's much more. There is so much more, not going beyond creation. There is so much more light that is given to men now, to mankind, ever since Christ came. There's the evidence of the light of Christ himself. Now, they have, a, they, they have an opportunity either to accept it or reject it. 
but the light is here. Deuteronomy 18, 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, God said to, to Moses, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. John 12, 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment which I should say, what I should say, excuse me, and what I should speak. That's Christ, paralleled in the word from Deuteronomy. There's the light of the gospel, John 12, 46. He has come as a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me, that is Christ, should not abide in darkness. Don't you hurt? I mean, we, we all wind up. <laughs> we, we, we can't help but hear the news sometimes. Sometimes we wish we wouldn't hear any of it. You know, there, there it is. And, and, and you wind up hurting for people, especially for those that maybe we'd call them conservative and maybe they have a quasi-religious background, maybe even somewhat of a, of a Christian background, quote unquote. And they hurt because they at least know the benefits of a Judeo-Christian ethic in the nation. And they see what's going on and they bemoan it, but they don't know Christ himself. Boy, that hurts. Because we know the answer. We've seen the light. And it's hard when you listen to somebody, they're desiring the effect, as it were, of the light, but they're not receiving the light. There's still a rejection there. If they would only understand, and we need to be faithful in this, in telling this, that they have all the light they need. John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have not only light, but the light of life. Now again, this is the Savior that we're talking about from John 1. John the Baptist said, I'm not that light. I was sent to bear witness of the light. That's the true light, John the Apostle says. And we're reading about how he is being the light. I'm telling you, I don't want to lose the wonder of it all. No way. There's the light of the Spirit. And praise God for the light of the Spirit. John 16. Howbeit, Christ speaks to the disciples when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. This is John 16, 13. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I am so glad that the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. And the, the, the Spirit that inspired this book 
helps us daily so that we need not walk in darkness. You know, Roger and I have talked about this before. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how many times, oh, countless times, Lord, I, I'm looking for guidance. I wish you could have walked with me in the message for the, from this morning. I, I didn't really plan. I, I'm, I want, I've been wanting to get to Romans, but I wanted to wait until I could take it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I can't, we're, we're going into Thanksgiving and then we're going into the Christmas season. Going to be kind of tough. But the Lord guided. And so many messages. I love the thought, I don't, I don't want to lose the wonder of it all. Folks, even in our group now, the God of the universe is working. How do I know that? Because I'm reminded every morning when I open up that little, that, that little uh, prayer journal, like I said, you know, I'm reminded of those things. That you know what? Be anxious, be careful for nothing. My grace is sufficient, and we are his workmanship. And I know that even today, God was working in my life. And by the way, we have our Bibles open. He's working in all of our lives. If you're listening to this right now, he's working in your life. And that's a joy. That is a wonder to know. John 3, 19. And this is the condemnation. Now, we, we need to hear this. This is the condemnation. The light has come into the world, but here's the problem. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know, isn't it sad? And I, I, I remember when I was in construction, there were guys like this that uh, we ran into, you know, at times. I remember one time we were going through the office. Now, my boss, I mean, he was a muscular guy. He was a good guy. But there was another guy that was in the office. We went in. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting some stuff. We're getting ready. We're going to be going to a job on a job site, getting, getting set up for pouring concrete. And there was this guy. I mean, he was huge. And he had this shirt on, and it mocked. Christ. And I'm walking up behind my boss, and he stopped and thumped the guy in the chest right here. And he said, one, he told him, he looked up <laughs> and told him, he said, one day, you're going to give account for this. And the guy looked down at him and gave him a real intelligent answer. Huh? Be warmed and filled, buddy. You know, it's just man alive. But the th this, this is the thing. You, you realize what's happening in San Francisco this week? Wicked men are getting together to continue their wickedness. And it's just sad. By the way, I thought it was interesting. They even 
cleaned up the city and marked off places so they couldn't go to the places where there's filthy. How many of you do not know what's happening in San Francisco this week? Raise your hand. Okay. I'll tell you after we're off the air. But just stop and consider. He's the true light. But he lights every man that cometh into the world. Is God just? Yes. Every human being that has set foot on this planet has received light. And all that needs to take place is for them to follow the light. But the problem is, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The Lord knows the hearts of men. He's the light. Very quickly, he's the sun. What's the big thing about that? Oh, mercy. Look at verse 14. And the word was made flesh, and, and he dwelt amongst us. He tabernacled amongst us. He, he lived amongst us. And we, again, John, the apostle speaking, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mike, you mentioned teaching the book of John. You know, right there, to take that and extrapolate so much out of it when it comes to Christ, he just didn't have... There wasn't a taste of grace and truth in him. He was full of grace and truth. Just let's start picking at it a little bit. Look at the word flesh. It's the same word that Paul used, the same Greek word that Paul used to describe man's nature with all of its weaknesses, all of its tendency to sin. The word was made flesh. There it is. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't a robot. He was God come in the flesh. Jesus Christ, fully God, and yet fully man. God the Son, sent by God the Father. By the way, there are some people that they still kind of, they, 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 they still kind of struggle with the thought of the Trinity. Maybe I need to preach on that sometime soon. You know, we're never going to fully understand God. I'm convinced of it into heaven. We'll never know the full depth of our God. We will know what he tells us and we're, what we see, it's going to be amazing. And he tells us, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. We'll know enough, but a triune God, I've got no problem with that because that's who God is. And the Bible teaches the Trinity. It's only people that are for some other reason struggle with that, that have a problem with it. Look at the word beheld. 
This is what I love. We beheld his glory. They actually saw him. Now, now this is where it really, it, we're, we're not gonna be able to finish the message tonight. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now. John was saying, this is what John was saying, that he and others actually saw the word. He who was sent from God saw him made flesh. We read about that in 1 John, and I'm not going to go there right now. You see the word glory, God's glory. Christ was the Shekinah glory of God. The word Shekinah means that which dwells or a dwelling. It refers to the bright cloud that God used to give Israel out of Egypt to guide Israel out of Egypt and rested on the tabernacle. We've heard, we, we know that. We've studied our Old Testament. We beheld his glory, actually saw the Shekinah glory, the very presence dwelling among us, he said. You know, you get married and you live with someone. They live with you. And sometimes you think, you know, how does that person put up with me? I'm so glad she does. But you know, you're just there. It's ever present. Think about what it was like for the disciples, <clears throat> especially the inner core, Peter, James, and John, who saw him transfigured. They saw his glory. That's, that's stunning to think about. That's what John here is speaking of. A young man who watched this, and I'm telling you, decades later, yes, empowered by the Holy Spirit, but God knew who he was using. And decades, decades later, this man sitting down, and it was like, it was yesterday. We beheld his glory. That, I think, in part, is what Gypsy Smith was talking about. In, in, in looking into the scripture, he dwelled on what he was reading. He didn't go to the seminaries. He didn't go to all that. But, you know, it's, it's like I told you a couple of years ago when I, I mean, you know, I'm reading, I, I'm reading Psalm 63, and I've read this thing over and over and over and over and over. And all of a sudden that phrase, oh God, thou art my God. When I open my pages for praise, for worship, that's the first psalm I see, and I've got those words emboldened. Because I remember how it spoke to me then. And it's the very same thing here. This is what he's saying, that when it comes to the embodiment of grace and truth, and there's so much to that, that was, that was Christ. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
If you wanted to know God the Father, remember Jesus said, if you know me, you know the Father. If you want to know the Spirit, you, there, there he is. Too much for us? No. Praise God, it's there. In fact, when, when you think about what James wrote, James, who was the Lord's brother, physically, half-brother, obviously, called Jesus the Lord of glory. Folks, he didn't call him my brother. He was God come in the flesh. He knew it. If anybody had an opportunity to see Jesus, it was James. And James called him the Lord of glory. James 2.1. Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. He was the full embodiment of grace. To men, the word grace means three things. Well, there's the quality of a thing, the beauty of it, joy of it, whatever. Anything that has loveliness. It might be a thought. It might be an act. It might be a word. Grace is a gift, a favor that someone does for a friend. But when early Christians looked at what God had done for them, for men, it added a deeper, richer, because see, richer meaning, because grace was done for those that were, that, that were friends. They were loved of the people. When Christ died on the cross, remember the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is grace that has absolutely been opened up. It opened up grace, the grace of God to men that didn't deserve it. Men who put him to death, who didn't deserve that favor. He was the embodiment of truth. The words true or truth are, are, are really taken from two Greek words that are close. One means true, the opposite of false. Another one means the true, the genuine, the real. It's the opposite of the unreal, the, the, the fictitious, the counterfeit, the imaginary. It's also the opposite of the imperfect. Jesus Christ is seen as the true, the real, the genuine life, which has come to give light to every man. I'm going to stop right there. But to me, I mean, I can understand a little bit of what Gypsy Smith meant. What keeps me going? Never lost the wonder. Every time I see Christ, that's worth it. And there's so much more to say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, may the pages of this blessed book open up to us in a greater way by the work of your Spirit this week and beyond. May we truly see 
our Savior in a far greater light. Lord, I pray for those that maybe they're struggling. They're struggling with the wonder. It gets repetitious. It gets dull. Lord, we know that there are times when even your children can wind up looking for the excitement that the world generates. And so there are those that bring that kind of excitement into the church thinking that's what's needed. No, we we just need to get the wonder back. We need to see so much more when we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. May that continue. I pray in Christ's name, amen.